Welcome back, everybody. It is the Line Movers podcast, college football, week one and season preview. Uh, it's so glad. It's so great to be back. It's finally here. Summer's winding down. Once again, the Line Movers podcast. I'm David Dorman, but the stars of the show are back this year. Ian Robbins, Trey Edge. You guys ready? Uh, so ready. So ready. Swamp Kings on Netflix. My Gators <laughs> back there. Ready to roll. Yeah, nothing better, man. And, you know, for me personally, getting ready to roll out Saturday night and watch the Heels play the Gamecocks. Game day's there. So, uh, it's just, you know, week zero was week zero. But this is really – this feels like the beginning. Yeah. Are you going to the game, Trey? I am. Yes, sir. Wow. There he goes. Win, lose, or draw, I'm going. Yeah. Let's get right to it. Our guys are going to break down the biggest games of the weekend, then we'll get to some season, uh, full season thoughts. But let's start Saturday night with the game we just brought up, 7.30 Eastern, ABC, Fowler, and Curbstead will be there from the Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. It's a neutral site game. North Carolina coming in at 21 in the, in the nation versus the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Trey, it's your Tar Heels. We're going to you first. Yeah, and, you know, you, when we do these things, you try to be a little bit impartial. <laughs> and when you're a Tar Heel fan, you're forced to be really impartial. This is the first of two games we will talk about tonight where it is absolute quarterback central. This is Drake May from North Carolina, a Heisman candidate versus Spencer Rattler for the Gamecocks. You could make a case. Maybe he's a dark horse, but – this is two, these are two teams that, quite frankly, last year finished going in opposite directions. South Carolina defeated Clemson. They defeated Tennessee down the stretch, lost the bowl game to Notre Dame, but it was 45-38, good showing. Carolina, North Carolina, I have to say North Carolina for the South Carolina fans that are listening. There's an argument of who's Carolina, but that's for <laughs> another day. North Carolina started so good. Wound up nine and five on the season, but they lost their last four games, including a 28 27 loss to Oregon in the bowl game. So, where does that leave us going into this year? As far as North Carolina is concerned, look, it's no secret. Everything's based around Drake May, and they're going to put up numbers. There's no doubt about that. Last year, he threw 38 touchdowns, he was over 4,200 yards. He, he's a superstar. He even was the team's leading rusher. That can't happen this year. They've got a stable of running backs that are all healthy. They can rely on. They are absolutely loaded at wide receiver. They're loaded at the skill skill spots. The question, as always, with North Carolina is going to be this. Can the offensive line hold up? And can that defense that, quite frankly, was awful last year, can it be better? They gave up more yards per game than anybody else in ACC. They just weren't good. So where's their strength? Quarterback, offensive skill positions, defense, they're very good at linebacker. They've got bodies, they've got depth, but it's time for Mac Brown to turn that depth into wins. There's no secret what the Tar Heels are going to be. If the defense is a little bit better and Drake May is Drake May, they're going to have a really good year. Flip it over to South Carolina, it's kind of the opposite. Spencer Rattler is going to do his thing. 
This team has a really good wide receiver who's back, and Antoine, uh, excuse me, Wells, he was their leading receiver. He's back. Only one scholarship running back returning. They gave up over 200 yards rushing per game last year. There's no secret about this game. Which defense is going to step up? It's that simple. The Gamecocks have won in this series lately. They've won three out of the last four games against North Carolina. Everybody's going to expect a shootout. The total's around 64. Carolina's what? Depending on where you look, two, two and a half points here. I think that's right on. I think this is a dead even ball game. I think South Carolina inherently SEC, that defense you think they're going to step up more than Carolina's defense. But I do think Carolina's skill players win this one by a field goal. But watch whether Trez Walker gets cleared by the NCAA prior to the game. If he does, he's a game changer. If he does not, it's a big, big loss for the Tar Heels. But I'll take them 34-31. Sounds good. I'm a little rusty. It's week one. I apologize. I didn't give out the numbers as I sent it to you, Trey. As Trey mentioned, Carolina comes into the game, small two-and-a-half point favorite, a total of 64-and-a-half. Ian, which Carolina do you like? Yeah, so obviously Trey knows this North Carolina program inside and out. Experience they were playing there, you know, his former coach there, Mac Brown being there. Um, and it's all spot on. Drake May is the man. He's staying there. He had a chance to leave. He's going to be a top 10 pick, most likely in NFL draft. Uh, what concerns me a little bit about North Carolina this season is they did finish not so great. They lost a ton of talent. They lost their skill players. And and like you said, whether or not their receiver gets cleared or not, because that that's, that's huge for that team. That's where their yeah. talent lies. That's where their big play lies. And I do think the the one under the radar loss that I really, really, really worry about is the offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, going to Wisconsin. And and that's what concerns me right there because he was he was the guy really pulling the strings behind a lot of that offensive firepower the last couple couple of years we've seen from North Carolina. And that's where I'm concerned is how is Drake May going to be with somebody new at the helm? And we've seen quarterback struggle off some offensive coordinator changes and that we've seen kind of a trend here in the transfer portal era of quarterbacks following their old offensive coordinators back to whatever school they might have landed on. And we saw a couple of that happen. We saw Bo Nix really take off last year. We saw a couple transfers within the ACC this year, even with that. So I'm curious to see how Drake May is going to react without Phil Longo calling the shots for him. And now that he's at Wisconsin on the other side, Shane Beamer's done such a tremendous job with that South Carolina team devoid of talent and quarterbacks his first season making a bowl game last year really turning on at the end with Spencer Rattler who is a very talented quarterback without a doubt and he he runs it by offense Antoine Wells is a game changer you know they return six out of the 11 starters I do expect points you know we've seen a lot of teams even in the SEC you know shift over to try to to try to put points up on the board with offense and that's Beamer's that's Beamer's game we expect it any different. Spencer Rattler is the boom or bust quarterback. I think this is a great live betting spot. Whoever gets the ball first, probably going to score. Or go bet the other side. The one thing I'm curious about is this is the type of game where you see up tempo offenses, fast moving offenses. You know, athletic quarterbacks who can get on the run and get in the air. How's this clock change going to affect it? Yeah. How many less plays are we going to see? I saw about four to five less plays in week zero. Um, these are smart coaches. They're going to play a little bit more on tempo. Try to try to try to steal some of those plays a little bit. 
But that's really what I'm curious to see is how those up how how is these two up tempo teams teams going to react to the new clock changes? So week one, week two, I look for little coaching changes, things in continuity versus things in not continuity. Continuity in South Carolina, year three with with uh, Coach Beamer, year two with Spencer Rattler, a little bit at discontinuity with North Carolina with the new offense coordinator change, some skill position players out. I'm going to lean the SEC naturally. <laughs> Moving to Sunday night, 7.30 Eastern, also on ABC. We're going to Camping World Stadium in Orlando. It's supposedly a neutral site game. But this is much closer to Florida State World than it is LSU. Rematch from last year, crazy game, went right down to a last missed extra point. Florida State is a two-and-a-half-point underdog, total of 56-and-a-half. What are we thinking, Ian? Yeah, so last year this this game really propelled both teams in, in similar directions. Florida State got the win. It shot them right back into relevance in the national National scene, LSU got a close loss first game under Brian Kelly, and they really improved throughout the year, and they were in the conversation at the end of the year. And now we got a clash here this year with the rematch of two top 10 preseason teams, which should be a tremendous heavyweight battle fight. We got two of the best dual-threat quarterbacks out there, Jordan Travis for Florida State, Jane Daniels for LSU, guys who were in the top three in odds, top five in odds in the Heisman conversation. Uh, Florida State also has one of the top NFL running back prospects in Trey Benson. They have some serious skill weapons there. And Florida State is going to look to make a statement. And Mike Norvell has done a great slow process job of turning that around. Brian Kelly did a tremendous job also in his first year in getting that team to improve. And they are absolutely loaded at LSU. They are loaded. They are ready and primed to take it out. I, I do think that this is one of those games. Now, a couple factors come into play. There's a hurricane coming through central Florida right now this week. Weather might be an issue. Field condition is going to be a question mark. There's a game in Orlando on Thursday night with UCF playing right after the storm comes. Then a game taking place now Saturday night or Sunday night with these two teams. See how kind of the, the field condition is possibly a factor there. But I look at overall depth of talent. Transfer portals come into play for both teams here. I just think that LSU has a little bit more depth of talent on both sides of the ball. I think points could be scored on either side. At the end of the day, it's who do I trust more to make a play at the end of the game? Now, I know that Florida State made the plays last year at the end of the game. I also know that was Brian Kelly's first game at LSU. And I wouldn't trust – I think that might be a different result at the end of the game. And I think with the full offseason, with the chance of Porter in place, I think this is another This is another dogfight between two top programs. I think. Florida State could afford the loss, I hate to say a little bit less, because I think LSU can really get away with a loss similar to they did last year. But I do think LSU comes out on top. I just think they're too deep for Florida State. Florida State may be top three best players or more talented, but the best 22, I'm going to lean LSU. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than we, than we anticipate, maybe 27-24 here. Ian's on the Tigers. Trey? Yeah, it's it's – you know, it makes a lot of sense there. And this game, you know, it's weird. Florida State is getting so much love. And I get it. I mean, they, they have got so many good players that were 10-3 and three last year. And listen, when you're in college football and you're a fan, or even if you're the experts talking on Saturday, the talking heads, when you can jump on Florida State and say, hey, the Seminoles are back, 
if you can jump on the Miami Hurricanes and say the Hurricanes are back, everybody does it. And I'm not sliding Florida State in any way. I just think it's a little much. <laughs> it's just my gut. It's just a little – I think they're certainly trending in that direction. But when I look at this matchup, there's, you know, that game last year, don't think LSU's not going to remember that. I mean, this is a revenge game for them. You know, losing that, a block, that's your point at the end. And LSU has a dominant front seven on the defensive side of the ball. Now, they are going to be missing Mason Smith, NIL, illegal benefits, all that kind of stuff that I can't make sense of anymore. He'll be out. That hurts them. Their biggest question on the defensive side of the ball is the secondary. They got some transfers in there. And one of the skill guys for Florida State is a big six, seven wide receiver, Johnny Wilson. That's a matchup problem for LSU. But, David, you know how I like to go to my stats, right? <laughs> Hit me. So here I'm going to go. Here I'm going to go for the first – this is the first time this year. You ready? Hit me. LSU, 10-1 when they rushed for over 140 yards. You ready? 0-3 the last times when they've rushed for under 140 yards in a game. Last year, Florida State – allowed over 140 yards rushing seven times. They were gashed by Florida and Oklahoma in their last two games on the ground. So for me, when I look at that, look, it's a new year. I know teams change. Philosophies don't. And Brian Kelly's going to look to make a statement, a physical statement. I think that's where LSU wins this game. I do think it's a really, really good, fun football game to watch when you have Jordan Travis and, and Daniel's playing quarterback for these two teams, dual threat quarter. It's going to be a show. It's going to be great. But I look at the difference being in the trenches. And when you look at those rushing stats and Florida State's inability to stop the run last year, have they fixed that? We'll find out. But I'm going to lean on that trend and take the Tigers in a small victory, 27-24. Same score for both of us. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Two, <laughs> two on them. And we have not discussed this prior to taking it. No, we haven't. That's two on the Tigers for that one. Last game of week one, Monday night football of the college variety, 8 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. This is from Wallace Wade Stadium on the Duke campus in Durham, North Carolina. Clemson is coming to town. Clemson is a 13-point favorite at Duke. Total of 55 and a half. Ian, we're going to you first. Yeah, this is a tough podcast for Trey. I at least we got to talk about his Tar Heels. I got to talk about Duke now. Like, what? Uh, these are our three primetime games without a doubt. Um, this this might be the only time we get to talk about the ACC all year. So we got to we got to do it when they True. get when they get their primetime games in. But on this game, uh, I'm a big time believer in Clemson this year. And I think the ACC is really down to two teams. It's down to Florida State and Clemson. I give Clemson a slight edge. I think the get the strength of schedule a little bit for Clemson is a little bit easier. You know, Florida State still have they have that LSU game. They still got that Florida game at the end of the year, which shouldn't really be that much for them this year. And and uh Clemson will have that South Carolina game. But I think that that this this game will be a little bit Strength schedule overall will be a little bit easier for Clemson, but that doesn't matter in the ACC as much because they're going to play each other, and we'll see what happens at that, that point. But let me tell you why I'm getting behind Clemson this year. 
Clemson was really, really close last year with a quarterback DJ, DJU at the helm. They got a lot better when Kate Klumick was there. If they had just kind of gone away from DJ and now DJU is at Oregon State, they probably would have been in the playoff conversation and not lost some of those late close games that they did. Kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call Davos Winnie a stubborn college football head coach, but he doesn't even use believe in the transfer portal. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and call him a stubborn college football head coach because I think he's the definition of it. And um, by kind of refusing to make the switches early on, I think did cost him last year. Now, what does he do in response to that? Now, he lost Brad Venables last year. That might have been a little punch in the gut, uh, you know, not understanding how to switch it. He went out. He got Garrett Riley from TCU. What did Garrett Riley do last year at TCU? Well, he led them to the national title game with Max Duggan and at quarterback. And I just think that switch and giving the offense over to a proven OC, a young upcomer, you see, making a switch when so many schools tried to make a switch at OC and just couldn't get the guy. Clemson went out and got a guy. And that's going to put Kate Klubnik, who is a blue chip recruit, in a tremendous spot for success. Talking Kate Klubnik, Will Shipley back. Those are two guys that are really, really, really talented and really move the ball. And Clemson still recruits at a high enough level that they should have, that they're going to be the most talented team on the field most times that they play. Now, the ACC isn't that deep, so it's going to be their benefit. They're really good at the top. You know, the middle is kind of questionable, bottom not so great. So they're going to have a lot of chances to prove their worth. And they're going to have a lot of primetime chances for Clemson to prove their worth to it in the big picture. So I'm a big Clemson believer this year, and I think Kate Klubnick is definitely – I had one bet to make in the Heisman Trophy. It'd be on K Club night. So I think Clemson, with the coaching change, the OC change, and maybe, you know, Davos taking a step back a little bit will be a good thing for them because he's got to kind of embrace what college football has become with NIL and with the transfer portal because that's just what it is. And this might be the last shot for him to prove it otherwise. Now, tough game on the opening opening game here. And again, continuity. K Club coming off starting. I know it's a new OC. A lot of things are still in place. Will Shipley, Kate, Kate Klubnick going on the road to Duke. Duke had a great season last year. Riley Leonard is back at quarterback. I really uh-huh. like coach Mike, Mike uh, Elko, I believe his name, right? Yep. Yep. He's a tremendous young up-and-coming head coach. Riley Leonard really did a lot of good things. Duke's a team that you can count on for for five, for six, seven wins, and they're going to have some good competitive games. I just think they're outclassed here. I think they're outclassed on the field. I don't necessarily think they're outclassed on the sideline. I think they're outclassed on the field. Leonard can play. He's a great dual threat. He's a really smart player. I just don't think they have the they have the chops to hang with Clemson. I know it's at home. I know it's week one. I know it'll be a nice crowd. I like Clemson by three touchdowns here, and I think that they're going to up, uplift their season, starting with this game right here on the Monday night isolation game, start that high spin run for Kate Klubnick. Ian's on another Tiger team, this one Clemson. Trey? Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. And, and one yeah. note right out of the right out of the shoot with what kind of what Ian closed with. This is a road game. But make no mistake, they're not walking into the lion's den at Wallace Wade Stadium. <laughs> this is not a great home field advantage for the Duke Blue Devils. And and look, I'm a North Carolina Tar Heel. I'm not taking a shot here at Duke. It's just a fact. Most games, there are more opposing fans there than there are Duke home fans. And Clemson fans travel. There's going to be a lot of orange in that stadium on Monday night. I think really Ian touched on it. Maybe the biggest offseason move was getting Garrett Riley 
from TCU to come to Clemson. That offense at Clemson had gotten stale. It was predictable. Uh, it, it just was not explosive, and that's not the Clemson we've known. There's also fuel to this fire. Second year in a row last year that Clemson didn't make the college football playoff. That's how they measure themselves. Yeah, they were ACC champs, but that's not how they measure football at Clemson anymore. And they are – we can look at this team and talk about the quarterback, Klubnik, and all these things. But listen, this team – has one of the premier defenses in the country. Eight starters returning, Jeremiah Trotter leading that team at linebacker. They are loaded on defense. This is your classic Clemson Tiger, get after it on defense type of team. That's everything they've got. They're loaded. I think Ian's right. You know, we're going to talk about college football playoff in just a minute. I think they've got a legit shot because of their schedule. If you flip it and look at Duke, I am a Mike Elko fan. The coach for Duke, incredible year last year. Nine and four. They beat uh, Central Florida in the military bowl. Riley Leonard, we touched on the quarterback being back. Listen, they returned 17 starters. I mean, this is an experienced, good football team. People are going to tune in Monday night and go, oh, Clemson, Duke. Why is it, you know, this is going to be a butcher. And they, I do think Clemson wins. But don't underestimate what Duke does the rest of the year, even if they get clubbed in this first game. This is a solid, solid football team with a good foundation that I, I'm with Ian. I think they win seven games this year, possibly more. But when you look at this matchup, with Ian, I think the problem comes in Clemson's defense versus Duke's offense. I think Duke's defense will play well. But again, a couple of stats I'll give to you. Clemson seven and three against the spread their last ten road games, and then again they're not walking into, you know, Georgia here or Bama or someplace like that. And I didn't hear what's the over under on this one, Dave? What's the total? Fifty five and a half. Here's another one. Last thirty games in September for the Clemson Tigers. So it's not a small sample size. Thirty games in September. Clemson is twenty two and eight to the under in September. Now, we've got a new offensive coordinator. We'll see if they just explode. But I like the Tigers just like Ian, a little bit closer, 31-17, and staying under that number due to the trends. Great stuff, great stuff. All right, we are going to move on uh, and give you a little season-long thoughts, a uh, little longer uh Big, big, big picture stuff here. Uh, give me a few things or one, Ian. What, what, what are you looking most forward to this season or what bothers you most this season? You know, I'm looking forward to see how some of these changes and some of these new movements come into play. Um, I also want to see how some of the teams respond in the last year in a, in a specific conference. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the new teams and new, new conferences but I'm really curious to see how is Oklahoma and Texas faring? How is UCLA and USC and the other teams that are leaving Oregon and Washington? How are they faring in their, knowing that these are the last teams of some of their big games or rivalry games? How are they going to react in those situations? How are they going to, you know, be in some of these? How are the fans going to perceive them? Uh, these are college kids. There's a lot of movement already within it. I, I think the the transfer portal has just become a whole different ball game, and, and this year more than more than ever again same idea we got a lot of new play not a similar faces in new places so i just want to see how all this change comes back in this college football season and how how teams adapt to it how coaches adapt to it 
how really the betting market adapts to it, because I think there's going to be a little bit of uh, there's a lot of gaining to do because there's a lot of new new faces. We saw last week, week zero, a former four star Clemson quarterback take the helm for UMass. And then UMass gets a win, one of their few victories over a bowl team from last year. So I just think things like that, a lot of players moving down, players moving up. We'll just see a lot of craziness. And it's going to be fun to see some new faces lock into some different places. One of the biggest changes I'm looking forward, you got a a workhorse running back from Ball State, Indiana, former Indiana player of the year, going out to L.A. to take over the backfield at UCLA. Now, if that's not a transfer portal, college football marriage made in heaven <laughs> i don't know what is yeah good stuff that's a great answer trey yeah the the clock running on first downs how that affects totals in these games and all of that from a betting angle it's going to be really interesting to watch and it's an adjustment coaching wise player wise quarterbacks looking it, it's completely different for these guys so that's a big, big story in how these games play out. Do we see a little bit less scoring? I don't know about that, but it's we'll have to see it play out. The other thing, like Ian said, it's just where these guys end up. And some unknowns at quarterback. Georgia's the odds-on favorite to win this again. Who knows who their starting quarterback is? You know, we do. But does the average fan know who a Carson Beck is? Ohio you know, somebody State. like that? Ohio State, same well, deal. Yeah, same thing. And then you look at teams like Michigan where they return a J.J. McCarthy and you, and teams that have, that, you know, Caleb Williams at USC. The Texas quarterback situation, Ewers versus Arch Manning. I mean, I, there's a lot of fascinating change of venue, quarterback competition, unproven guys in spots where we are just assuming – that those guys are going to step in and the team's going to roll on like they have been the last two years, especially in Georgia's case. And chances are they will. But it's still unproven. We have to see that play out. And I just think these these teams on the outside looking in, David, the ones we think we know are going to be in the college football playoff picture, I know we're getting ready to get to that. But those ones on the perimeter, you know, the Southern cows of the world. Uh, you can even talk about the LSUs, even Bama being ranked yeah. fifth, you know? Questions. Georgia, LSU, there's questions there. Clemson getting back in it. I just think that that three, four, five area is going to be really, really competitive this year. So what I'm hoping for is once we get to that point where the college football playoff is getting ready to get settled, that it's just not easy choices. <laughs> I want to see some teams get beat. That's what I want to <laughs> think. <laughs> I think we're going to see it this year. And yeah. Before we – Yeah, it's the last year that we have to deal with, a, you know, so many changes going to happen next year. It's going to be a whole different landscape. Yeah. Before we get to the playoffs, Ian, I'm going to put you on the spot. Your Gators are going into – Trey told us about not such a, a hostile environment in Duke, but I'll give you the absolute opposite. Rice echoes at night in Salt Lake City, Utah. Your Gators, Thursday night, going to Utah. They're getting about six and a half. Carson uh, uh, Rising, the Utah quarterback, a real stud, is questionable 
looks like he's not going to play. Ian, I know you love your Gator team. I know you know so much about this team. Got a little insight on this game? I wish I wish I had better insight. I don't think Cam Rising is going to play. Yeah. Uh, looks like Utah's been a third-string quarterback. Utah was a much more physical team, a much deeper team. And, and I think that's really where the Gators, you know, there's a lot of pessimism about the Gators, and I totally understand it. You know, in a revenge spot going out to altitude at Utah, it's not something that you could like, – there's such a home field advantage on both both sides, the altitude and, and the humidity in the swamp that you got to feel. And now with the hurricane coming through the central over Gainesville, it's kind of the travels getting a little bit messed up with their plans. Uh, so I don't know how acclimated they're going to be. Of course, these are all excuses. You know, at the end of the day, this seems like a total stopgap year for Coach Napier. I'm hoping they can get to six wins, be competitive. I think that uh, a positive for Florida is their two best players are their two running backs. They can find a way to get the running backs the ball. They have some top-end talent on defense. Just not deep. I mean, this is the problem with when uh, Dan Mullen was a coach. He just wasn't recruiting well, and a lot of guys left. Now, when you fast forward to next year, Florida's got a top three recruiting class already with the top-rated quarterback. So that is something to get excited about. And now you're talking about guys 25 deep in a recruiting class, kind of similar like we saw in the Swamp King days, um, referring to that, again, special from my days at Florida. But uh, that's it, it's going to be a slow process. I'm – you know, my sister texted me the other day. She's like, you excited for Florida? I was like, of course I'm excited for Florida. I'm going to get excited for Florida always. But I'm a little bit – I'm always going to get excited for Florida. I I hope that people have patience and realize that it's going to take time right now. You need to turn over the roster. They got transfers in. I hope on Thursday night when they go to Utah, they can control the line of scrims a little bit, let their players play. You know, hopefully there's a little bit of uh, new game nerves. And hopefully Graham Mertz – a, a change in venue, you know, he was a highly rated quarterback can get a little bit of settled down, run the offense, kind of control the game, slow it down, use the clock to the advantage and maybe keep it close within a score that it comes down to the end of the game. You know, maybe a backup quarterback isn't quite there and Florida could maybe sneak one out. Do I think so? Probably not. Do I hope so? Of course I'll be watching. Great stuff. All right, Trey. All right, Ian, here we go. Uh, this is our last year where the playoffs will be four teams. Next year, we're going to go, we're going to expand them. We're going to have three rounds. Some teams are going to be at home. Some are going to be on the road. Some are going to have buys. But this is the last year we're stuck with the final four. Trey, can I have your final four, please? Your champion, please. And give me one team outside there that you think has a real shot that uh, you think we might be talking about in December. Final four, Chalk, Georgia. I just think it's it's reload in Athens until they and so until somebody beats them and proves it different. They're just on a different playing field right now than everybody else. Georgia number one. I'll go another chalk. I like Michigan number two. I like them over Ohio State because of the quarterback situation. JJ McCarthy at Michigan. Kyle McCord, who I know has all the tools at Ohio State, but again a new starter. I'm going to give Michigan the edge. I mean they return their running backs, just loaded at Michigan with a legitimate shot at a national championship. The third and fourth teams I'm going with, I'm going with Alabama out of the SEC just because nobody, (laughs) you know, it's Georgia and Georgia and Georgia, and Nick Saban has a way of when that's happening, stepping back in and reminding everybody that he's great and Bama's still there. 
And the fourth team, I'm going with what Ian said earlier because of the path, and that's Clemson. Clemson. I think it's Georgia, Michigan, Bama, and Clemson, Ohio State right there, and LSU gets left out. Texas, USC's in the mix. But I'm going with that, and the only reason I'm going Clemson, like Ian said, because they've just got a path where I don't think they lose. I just don't see the ACC producing any kind of upset there. Surprise team. Ian touched on it briefly. If I'm looking for somebody in a conference to shock everybody, I'm going with the Wisconsin Badgers. New coach Luke Fickle, quarterback transfer from SMU, Tanner Mordecai, who throws the ball over the field. You're used to seeing Wisconsin do nothing but run, 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 run. Phil Longo's there. He's introducing the air raid into that Wisconsin offense. I've had the pleasure of getting to know Phil Longo and watching his offenses go. He was at Ole Miss. He was at Carolina. He's been successful everywhere he's been. He's going to change that offense in a way that people aren't used to at Wisconsin. Do I think they're going to win it all? No. But if you find a team, they've got all their receivers and all their running backs coming back, that is going to shock people just with the way they play. They've got a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, just a whole new environment. In Wisconsin, I think they can win that side of the Big Ten. And, you know, long shot to win it in the championship game. I'll take the Badgers. I like it. I like I like the reasons. Ian. Yeah, so I'm going to go a little bit off the rails here with my final four picks. I'm going to look for ah, it. Shocking. <laughs> I, at the SEC, I'm going to say LSU is going to be the team that makes it there. I think they, they win the West and they're going to overtake Georgia. I don't think Georgia is going to have the leash that they had before. If they're undefeated and lose it with some other scenarios happening here that I'm going to talk about, I think they're going to have to win. There might just be a little bit of fatigue on Georgia. Now they're still the champs. They're still the back-to-back champs. So you still got to beat them, but I think they trip up a little bit here. Texas. The path for Texas in the big 12 is about as easy. And I say this lightly, as easy as it could be for them because they're going to the SEC next year. And the way that the, the, Big 12 championship, it's the top two teams at the end of the year. There's no divisions. So I I think they could escape with a loss or two. I think they do get that win over Alabama. That's going to be the signature win. And they're just so much more talented than everybody else in that conference. So I don't see more than one loss coming out. If they get that win over Alabama, they could survive a loss and a win in the conference title game. Now I'm going to go two teams out of the Big 10 because number one, Michigan, their schedule is so weak on the front end that they should be undefeated heading the big game. Maybe with this other team I want to mention, I think they win that game, and then they'll have likely Wisconsin in a tough Big Big Ten championship game. The other team I'm going to go with there, Penn State. Another team with not a great schedule, but Penn State is talented up the wazoo. They got skill players for days. They got a great defense. They got NFL talent levels there. The Big Ten's going to be able, I think, again, they're going to get two teams in this year. Now, that's going to be a round robin between Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. I think they all kind of beat up on each other. But Penn State's likely the team that'll be left out with, like, the 15th tiebreaker because they're playing Northwestern will keep them out of the Big Ten title game. It might help them out because I think it allows them to sneak in if they got a chance in there. 
So that's where I'm looking. Did I say? To, yeah. So those are my four teams, Michigan, Penn State, Texas, and LSU. I do think Brian Kelly and LSU, as much as it pains me to say, gets the win there because I got to think the SEC team is going to end up winning. But I don't really know after that. My dark horse team, I know I was all about Kansas last year because it was a bet against team. And I think you could have some bet against teams that are going to really do a lot better in the in the uh, mid-major levels. So you're talking about Hawaii, who we already saw much improved. Colorado State, I think it's been much improved. I think there's going to be a lot of bet on spots for some of these teams that have been bottom dwellers, USF, another team that I like to bet on. But the team that I like to make push, I really like the Pac-12 is really deep this year. The problem is I think they're going to beat up on each other a little bit much. And I think the team that probably we don't know much about, but has a lot of talent, they're already getting a lot of buzz in the betting community, Oregon State. Oregon State hosts most of the tough games. They're also the team that didn't get invited to the dance anywhere else. So they got Oregon leaving them, watching leaving them. Washington, Oregon State, I think, are the two best teams in that in that conference. And Oregon State gets to host these games. I think DJU going back to the West Coast in a new environment will be very, very good for him. And um, you know, I just like Oregon State this year to surprise, shoot up, make a push, just like Washington did last year. So Right. I like that call. I have really well coached Oregon State Beaver team. Trey? Just going to say, I didn't say out of that Final Four who I thought was going to win it all. I'm going with Michigan. All right. Uh, mine uh, are going to sound very familiar here. I'm yeah, going David. with Georgia. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, Georgia's path. You want to talk about pass? I agree with Clemson. Georgia's path is so easy. that The toughest yeah. game might be – Tennessee, and I think they'll be a two-touchdown favorite. Uh, their side of the SEC division is really down this year. They don't need uh, – they don't have LSU or Alabama. Uh, I look for Georgia to fly through the SEC all the way to the SEC championship. I'm going with two from the Big Ten. I do like Penn State. I like the call. But it's too hard for me to get away from Michigan and Ohio State. I like Penn State's team this year a lot. And the fourth I'm going – Ian mentioned it, Texas – uh, that path is – I don't think Oklahoma puts up a lot of resistance. I think the last time in the Big 12, they want to give a statement going away. And I'll take Michigan uh, finally breaking through for Harbaugh, win a national championship again. All right, guys. That was awesome. We're up against it, Trey. Give us three yeah, seconds on the edge of it all before we head out. Season 2, Episode 1, came out yesterday with 80s legendary actor Corey Feldman. There will be a new episode out every other Monday. Look forward to You can get it on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, iHeart, wherever you get your podcast. Just search bar, The Edge of It All with Trey Edge. You'll find it. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, David. Thanks, Thanks, guys. All right. Happy college football season, everyone. Absolutely. Enjoy Enjoy it, guys.